Hi, this is Wesley Urth, the old star of Land of the Lost, Days of Our Lives, Dragon Tales. For all you fans, remember, run, Holly, run, there's a dinosaur. Listen to me next on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hey, welcome. It's that time again. It's time for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 158. I'm your host, Brian Zimrak, and this is your weekly look at what's coming your way as far as movies, remakes, sequels, what's going to come your way as far as TV and movie DVD releases, and, of course, our interview segment. This week, we got a great guest coming your way. It is Wesley Ure. He was Will on Land of the Lost, and he's also in Days of Our Lives for many years, and uh, he was uh, all sorts of other stuff. He's going to talk about all those things, and he's going to fill us in on a lot of stuff that's coming your way. So, anyways, that's going to be coming up in just a few minutes, because right here on On Screen and Beyond, we are going to get right into what's coming your way as far as Remake Madness. It's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, Warner Brothers is looking at remaking the story of Wyatt Earp with a film called Wild Guns. And it's in the early stages right now, so we'll keep you informed on that. And the remake of 1947's The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which we've talked about before in the past and seemed to have run out of steam. But now Ben Stiller is looking to get it back on track, and he is in talks to make it his next film. And Haley Steinfeld from True Grit will star in a remake of Romeo and Juliet, which will start shooting later this spring so that's what's coming away as far as remake madness coming up next on on screen to be on upcoming movies next upcoming movies well mark Wahlberg will star in a film called bait and switch and look for will smith and his son jaden smith to star in a film called 1000 ae set in a futuristic earth and meg ryan will make her directorial debut with a film called into the beautiful with longtime friends coming together in that film and that's it for upcoming movies next on on screen and beyond we're going to take a look at sequels at sequel city next right here on on screen and beyond Sequel City, well, the sequel to Monsters, Inc. will now be called Monsters University, and the X-Men franchise already is looking at making X-Men 4 and X-Men 5, which is no surprise, really. And Keanu Reeves is talking once again about making a sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey, and he says it will start where the second one left off. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a look at what's coming away as far as TV on DVD. It's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. TV.
TV on DVD while July 17th Entourage Season 7 will arrive on DVD and Blu-ray. And Everwood Season 4 lands on DVD on August 2nd. And Season 7 of Medium is coming to DVD on June 21st. And that's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Scurrion, we're going to take a look at what's coming away as far as movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, well, The Eagle lands on DVD on June 21st, and also in June you can look for The Adjustment Bureau with Matt Damon, and Battle Los Angeles and Cedar Rapids both arrive on DVD in July. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen Beyond, we have got a great guest coming away. We have Wesley Yore, and of course he was, uh, everybody knows him as Will on Land of the Lost, okay? That was a Saturday morning show that was just, you know, a huge hit back uh, back in the day. And uh, we're going to sit down with Wesley and uh, talk with him about that and all sorts of stuff. He's a great guy. He's coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is known for his role as Mike Horton on Days of Our Lives and Will Marshall on the 70s Saturday morning TV show Land of the Lost. He has also been involved in shows like Totally Hidden Video, Spy TV, and the children's show Dragon's Tales. It's Wesley Yore. Wesley, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thanks, Brian. And I'm glad to be on because I'm a fan. I'm a fan (laughs) of the show. I mean, my goodness, you have more personalities online than than I've seen anybody. (laughs) Well, we do have a lot, that's for sure. It's pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Um, You know, your name has come up many times as requests to to be on the show, and and now that we have you on here, it's going to be, you know, great, and people are going to love hearing you, and I'm, I'm, I'm just so glad that you could do this. Well, listen, I'm, I, listen I'm, I'm glad for the phone to ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the thing is, people uh, get used to knowing a person, an actor, for maybe one role, maybe two roles. Uh, like a lot of people, of course, Land of the Lost, they remember you for that. And then there's another segment that remembers you for Days of Our Lives. Then when you're not on a regular show like that, they wonder where you are. But as I'm looking over your, your credits and the things you've been doing, you've been very busy. <laughs> I, I have been. I've just sort of... Uh... I've been behind the scenes. I mean, right. I still have I have a, a, a huge hit on PBS every morning called Dragon Tales, mm-hmm. which I was co-creator on for uh, Sony Pictures and Children's Television Network. And it's animated. It's been on now nine years. Yeah. Jeez. One of the highest rated kids shows around the world. There's there's dolls and cereals. And a friend of mine just sent me a little uh, one of the dolls from the uh, uh, from the series from, I think, Buenos Aires. Wow. Huh. So yeah, I mean that's that's a, a, a great show. I've, I've actually seen it, and um, we'll start with that one. We're, we're, <laughs> I was wondering where we we're going to start here, so uh, why don't we start with that? Um, did you come up with the idea, or were there other people I involved? Uh, I, I was producing a show um, called Totally Hidden Video for Fox. I was mm-hmm. one of the segment producers and writers. It was the first of all, it was the best job I ever had because not only did I produce the show and write the segments, but I got to cast myself as the actor in them. Like I was the severed head that would scare people for the uh, uh, head surgery operation. We'd, you know, we'd get temps and, uh, and scare the bejesus out of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the uh, executive producer was a guy named Jim Cohen. 
and I'd written a book called uh, called The Red Wings of Christmas, and uh, Disney had bought it for an animated feature, and I'd written the screenplay and the songs for Disney. And his it was his son's, Max's favorite book. And so Jim had these dragon drawings come by his desk. There was a guy named Ron Rudiker, who was this wonderful educator in Laguna Beach. And there was a place called the Sawdust uh, Arts Festival every year. And Lisa, his secretary, found these amazing dragon drawings. And they were hysterical and fun and whimsical. And Jim wanted to write a series. There was a... Um, there was a grant being offered by the the government for mm-hmm. like I don't know six million dollars, nine million dollars, wow. something like that, for a new children's programming for PBS, and everybody was submitting um, the Muppets, uh, Sesame Street. Everybody was coming up with shows, and so Jim said, "Listen, I've got these dragon drawings. We've got an idea for a series. Can you come over and take a look at it?" And I did, and he said, well, "By the way, we've got three days to do this." Wow. So I wrote. I took what he had, rewrote, wrote, created stuff, created uh, this two-headed dragon called Zack and Wheezy, and submitted it. And then he said, oh, by the way, we need another show. PBS wants two shows. And I was lecturing. I was doing a lot of kids lecturing, which I still do. Mm-hmm. And I had a program called Anyone Can Write a Book, which I have a whole class from 10 kids to 300 kids. And we actually write a book out loud. In an hour, illustrate it. It's the whole thing. Wow. So I, I wrote a show called Show and Tell Me based on that that sort of experience. Submitted the show. Within a, a week or so, we won the contract. Jeez. Now, j- j- just to give us an idea, it, with all the people that were, were submitting for that, what are the odds that, I mean, and like you say, the Muppets are, are being submitting things for it. Uh, what are the odds that somebody who hasn't done a, a show like that to be the one that's picked? Uh, zero. I, I can imagine. I mean, yeah, I was surprised and, and obviously delighted. Oh, sure. Uh, and, and the show, of course, is, is, is such a great show. And if you notice, if you're a fan of Dragon Tales, and I have a lot of mothers that come up to me and you're singing Dragon Tales, Dragon Tales, which is the theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's, it's about a boy and a girl. It's Max and Emmy, and of course, Max is named after Jim Cohen's son. Ah. Um, it, it, it was a, it was a great experience. I, it was first of all working for PBS, and they wanted something that was sort of multilingual. So we had Hispanic, and uh, there's dragon that speaks you know, to Hispanic dragon, and mm-hmm. and it's really only it's a half an hour, but two fifteen minute episodes. I mean, they're just wonderful. I think, and they're geared for kids two to five years old. Yeah. Um, how, how and it's been on for a very long time. Yeah. How involved were you with uh, the the show after the creation, uh, as far as writing and uh, were you involved at all with the animation part of it or not at all? Mm-hmm. I I did my work and uh, uh, and sort of parted my ways yeah. with uh, with with Jim and the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, but that that like you say that that is a you know that'll become a classic as time moves on. I'm sure because uh, it, it is such a, a, a good show, and uh, you know everybody's well, growing it, up with it. All these. It kids. was interesting. I was just uh, I was judging a poetry contest recently at Xavier High School in Palm Desert, California, or La Quinta, California, mm-hmm. and they're all teenagers. And you know they said you know what you know one of our judges tonight, Wesley, you're days of our lives, nothing, land of the lost, nothing, Dragon Tales, yay! Everybody's <laughs> screaming because they grew up with Dragon Tales. Yeah. Uh, so it was. It's odd suddenly having a 
a new credit that elicits a cheer, yeah. which, is, which is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, and like we were saying earlier that, you know, depending on the generation or the, uh, you know, the type of TV you watch, like I say, there's the Days of Our Lives group, who you know, that segment, and then there's the Land of the Lost, which probably fed over into uh, Days of Our Lives somewhat, I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, it did. And now the kids... You, it, it, it's funny because I was at Universal Studios the other day. I, um, my stepdaughter was in town, and we, we took her. And I, I wrote a show years ago in 2000, the Blues Brothers 2000 show. It was the live show. It ran for three years. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was based I, on the movie The Blues Brothers 2000, and, and that movie wasn't a big hit. Right. So this one ran for two years, and then they, they scrapped it and brought something else back. Uh, three years. It ran for three years. Yeah. So I'm there, and I'm talking to the guy that's head of all the talent entertainment at Universal Tours. And he was bemoaning the fact of all the personality, the characters that they've had to eliminate, because nobody remembers them. Humphrey Bogart, um, you know, uh, Mae West. Jeez. I think the only one that's left is uh, there's a Marilyn character running around. But now the characters are, are generally the cartoon characters, mm-hmm. like The Simpsons or something like that. Yeah. And the only two old, old, old characters that really are still popular is Frankenstein and Dracula. That, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say that, and maybe the Mummy or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I did see a Mummy sort of sliding around there because they've got the Mummy right. Yeah. But it's it's quickly, you know, quickly you're forgotten in the entertainment business, mm. especially with technology and so many choices for music and entertainment. Yeah. That your time in the sun becomes less and less. Well, those are such classics, you know, Humphrey Bogart. It's kind of too bad, really, that that uh, those don't carry on at the parks like that. They don't. And even 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 characters, even Elvis and stuff like that. I mean, I know people know who he is, mm-hmm. but it's, it gets further and further away. Yeah. I, I just remember as a kid, I remember when I was starting acting, and there was, you know, everybody would talk about the greatest actress that ever lived was... Uh, Oh my God, my mind just went blank. Uh, uh, um, oh my gosh, she, she had a wooden leg. Uh, I can't even remember names. See, that's how, that's how bad it is. I can't even remember. Mm-hmm. She was like from the turn of the century, and everybody would talk about her. And and now and now I can't even remember her name. <laughs> um, so uh, it, you know, everybody has their time. I mean, you look at. I'm in Palm Springs, and. For so it was the Rat Pack for so many years, right. Sinatra and yep. all these guys, and now the younger kids have no idea who Sinatra, or Sammy Davis, or those mm-hmm. guys were. Yeah, geez. time moves on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't. And now, now you mentioned about uh, doing the thing for the theme park. Uh, now, how did you get involved with doing that? Well, a friend of mine was was head of uh, Mike, a guy named Michael Laughlin's head of. Uh, Putting the park uh, attractions together, the the entertainment, the casting, and choreographing, and stuff, and we were friends. And he said, "Hey, look, we want a new Blues Brothers 2000 show." This was in, I guess, 1999, and the movie hadn't come out yet. And they said, "Listen, come up to Universal. We'll give you a script. You can't take it out. You're going to be locked in a room. It's just, you know, total secret, and you have to sign. A, I think I had to sign like something to say that I wouldn't reveal any of the plot." Really? The movie. <laughs> so, so I went in there. I thumbed through it. I read it, thought it was really fun, went home, and I, and this was, he said, look, here's the deal, it's on spec, which means, you know, if you, you want to do, you know, other people are submitting their ideas, too. Mm-hmm. So I went home, and literally in, in like an hour or something, I, I wrote out the show with all the music, because I'm using, like, R-E-S-P-C-T, respect, right. all the Blues Brothers songs, so I'm yep. not recreating Blues Brothers, I'm just creating a new format. Yeah. 
wrote it out, submitted it, and a few weeks later they called and said, we picked you. So mm-hmm. they went and they cast and went into rehearsal. So now did your your job stop at that point, or were you on actually on set with the you know in the stages? And... As with Dragon Sales, my job ended. You, you said, "Give me the money." And I I'm could, gone. <laughs> I would go to the park, and of course, they would be performing the show what five or six times a day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. And, if, and when we went back there, the, the, almost the same cast. All these years later, this is like, gosh, it's been like, like seven years since that show has been at Universal Tours Hollywood. Some of the some of the same cast were still there. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Jeez. Elwood, the guy that plays Elwood, was still there. Yeah. Huh. Jeez. So it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, how did you get into acting? What made you decide you wanted to be an actor? <laughs> I needed attention. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I I just ever since I was like five years old, I just I was from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and I you know I, nobody in show business around my life. And they were all professors and educated mm-hmm. people. Yeah. University kind of people. And I just stood up one day and said, I'm going to be an actor. And you know what? It, it, pop psychology would say that my dad left when I was two and I didn't get a lot of attention. So I, I, I maybe in some way was compensating for that sort of uh, barnacle in my life, as I think most of us have. <laughs> as Not I think, I know all of us have. But, I, but ever since I was five years old, I knew what I wanted to do. So... Everything I did in life from school, I was always trying to be in the, the, the plays or do something or, you know. Mm-hmm. And I finally, um, my mother, my father left. My mother went to get her PhD. Um, we moved to Texas. She was teaching graduate statistics in Denton. Uh, and then we moved to Illinois, Southern Illinois University. She was teaching. Then we moved to Vegas. And my mom was heading up the drug abuse program for the state of Nevada. And she brought in, she wrote a grant, got lots of money, and was opening methadone clinics, and she wrote the legislature for the state of Nevada, had her own talk show, which she liked. My mom just passed away about three weeks ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, and she liked to tell everybody that she had a TV show before I did. <laughs> so she was had a local show in Vegas in which she would talk about drug abuse and things like that. Hmm. But I met uh, Robert Goulet and Carol Lawrence. I was, I was finished, high, we fin- I finished my last year of high school in Vegas and went one year of college, and they needed a driver. For, they were going on a summer trip tour to uh, to the East Coast, which I'd never been. It was called the Goober Gross Circuit at that time. And they were going to do, it was Carol Arnson and Bob Goulet. <laughs> By the way, no one else remembers them anymore. I do. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I know. It's, it, it is truly amazing. At Christmas time, all I saw was Bob Goulet's songs on the uh, se- the sounds of the season on my right. table. <laughs> but I, I got this job. A Trav Dodge gave them the, uh, the Goulet's a Travco motorhome. And I was... I think 17, just turned 17, and I was going to be driving this Dodge Travco motorhome for two major celebrities. I mean, this was at the height of their career. Well, Bob how did... was performing in Vegas, and um, and Carol Lawrence, of course, was singing and doing television. She'd done West Side Story. Got that's where she got her break playing Maria on Broadway. Yeah, but so but, but, I'm 17, and I'm going to New York. So they fly me to New York. We're at the Garden State Art Festival, which is in New Jersey. Now, remember, I've never been to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I've never been to a big city like this. New Orleans was like the biggest city, or St. Louis at the time I'd been to as a kid. And they said, oh, and I arrived. They picked me up. We go to the, the, uh, the Garden State Art Festival. They said, oh, Wesley, here's Carol Lawrence. Hello, hello. I go, so hello. You're driving her to New York City for a dentist appointment. Go. Wow. <laughs> and I go, What? <laughs> And so I'm 17. I've got a major 
celebrity in the back of my car, and I've got Bob Goulet's personal manager, David Leland, sitting next to me, who's a big, rotund man. And I'm, and I'm going from, from um, New Jersey into New York under the Lincoln Tunnel, and I am shaking in my boots. I, you know, I've heard rumors of New York and traffic, and I know 17. I just got my license a year ago. Yeah, what, what drove them to, to actually decide to let a 17-year-old be their driver? <laughs> I have no idea. But the first thing is I pulled out of the Lincoln Tunnel. There was a stoplight. Well, but I was used to stoplights being like in the center of the street. Right. <laughs> they were hanging. Well, this was on a pole to the right, and there were trucks parked and lined up, and you couldn't see it. So at my very first stoplight in New York City that I come to, I don't see it. And I go halfway in the middle of the road, and I see there's a stoplight. It's red. I pull back. And immediately a cop <laughs> looks at me, sees me, signals for me to roll down the window. I roll down the window. He goes, did you see the... Uh, the stoplight, young man? And I go, oh, well, listen, I, I, I'm, from, I'm, I'm from the south and back there, and, I'm, and the stoplights are usually up there. And, and I'm giving this whole excuse, and he looks. There's a little card on the dashboard that says Garden State Art Festival and stuff. He looks in the back of the car and goes, oh, hello, Miss Lawrence. Young man, just be more careful next time. Now you can go. Wow. <laughs> and, and I knew the power of celebrity. <laughs> Jeez. So I did that for three months with them. In the summer, they did I Do, I Do, the musical, and then they did their concert tour. And the last place we played was Westbury, Long Island. And I just called home and said, I'm checking into the YMCA in New York, and I'm going to try to to pursue this career. My mother goes, I figured you might do that. <laughs> and so I just started getting odd jobs and, and auditioning the best I could. Yeah. Now, when you were going to drive for Robert Goulet, did you know who he was and, and everything, or did you... Oh, my goodness, he was a huge star. I was right. so intimidated. Yeah, well, that's why I was wondering if, if you knew who he was and, you know, what a star he was. One night, I remember, we'd play a week at a place, and do I do, I do, and part of my job was I'd be his dresser, because he has a lot of costume changes, because the show was about a, it's about a young couple that meet, get married, it follows their whole life until their death. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he had, so he had costume changes, in, and I would be his costume, and you know, change his costumes and stuff like that. And I remember the last night he turned to me, he was changing costume. He said, Wesley, you realize that you haven't missed one costume change this entire year, I mean, this entire three months. And he walked out with a pair of pajamas when he's supposed to have a pair of slacks on. Mm. And I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> so we get in the truck, and we're heading. And we usually, because, we, you know, we'd finish a show, and it would be, you know, midnight. And they had the two kids with them. And it was myself and Robert and Carol and the two kids and David Leland and this huge Travco Motorhome, and on the side it said, The Bob Goulet Show. So you knew who was in that Travco Motorhome. And it's about one in the morning, and I'm going over that Delaware Bridge, and suddenly I'm pushing on the accelerator, and it doesn't move. I'm on the bridge, and I'm scared to death. And we pull over, and there's I, I can't get the car going. And I'm, I'm going, Oh no, what are we going to do? And Bob says, Don't worry, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And he gets out of the Dodge Travco puts his thumb out, a truck stops, he's off and gone. Now we're on the side of the road, it's dark, and I've got Carol and the kids, and suddenly there's a knock on the door, and I'm, and I'm pushing Carol and the kids back into the little bedroom back there, and, and saying, don't worry, I'll protect you, and I'm scared to death, and I open it up, and of course it's a highway patrol man who'd seen the Bob Goulet show. Uh, and we said, no, no, Bob's gone away, he's, he's, gonna, he's, he's looking for the help. About three hours later, Bob comes back drunk. Oh, geez. <laughs> with a truck driver. He had gotten a ride to the truck stop, 
had lifted a couple with the guys and gotten one of the truck drivers to drive him back. And the guy opens up the hood, sees there's just a little pin that's missing, and he puts a pin in, and the car is working just fine. Oh, so, <laughs> for a 17 year old, it was, it, was, it was quite interesting. Yeah, you're on the bridge, you don't know what's going to happen to you. <laughs> oh my goodness! Remember, I've never been to Delaware. Right. This was all this was just all new for me. Wow. <laughs> So, as far as Land of the Lost, uh, I presume that was the first uh, thing that you actually did? No, it wasn't. Oh, I think uh, Days of Our Lives first. Oh, you had Days of Our Lives first. Okay. I, I was in, uh, I got Days of Our Lives, and I just started on the show, and then David Merrick, who was a big Broadway producer at the time, asked me to fly, he flew me to New York because he wanted me to star in Candide. Mm-hmm. So I was in New York, and I had, I had auditioned for Sid and Marty Croft. I knew Sid Croft. I'd met Sid, and Sid had me come in to audition, and there were a whole bunch of guys, obviously, auditioning for the part. And I'm in New York. You get a phone call. They said, you got the part. And I go, yo, but I got Days of Our Lives, and I'm here with David Merrick, and, and, and I have to play 16, and I'm not 16. And, and Anyway, long story short, obviously, I said yes. And NBC, because they were both NBC shows, Ah, uh, yeah. I, they had to make an agreement with the cross that I could do it. And so this, the, the, uh, Land of the Lost ran for three years. Mm-hmm. And when it went off the air, it was still the number one rated show for kids, but it was so expensive to make. That's a whole other story. Uh, anyway, so NBC, Days of Our Lives, agreed to shoot all my scenes in the morning for the soap opera. And for those three years, I would I would shoot... Days of our lives in the morning, be crying about my girlfriend, you know, not liking me or running off with somebody or the mafia after me. And then I would drive over to Goldwyn Studios and run from dinosaurs all day. So I had, I had, I had the best job in the world. I had, it was so much fun. I had two series, two great shows, two great casts, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it was so different that, that you really got to expand what you were doing as far as acting. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, all those, all those, all those Shakespeare. I, my first job in New York, I, I got a, a job at Stratford, the American Shakespeare Festival. Mm-hmm, yeah. I was understudying Ariel in The Tempest, and a guy named Morris Kornowski, who at one time, of course, nobody's going to remember this name unless you're old, uh, was one of the greatest American actors. And it was the season. Seda Thompson was there, and Jane Alexander. Yeah, it was a really prestigious um, uh, company. So I'd been learning Shakespeare, and so suddenly, suddenly, my my entire performance. As I said in the intro, my entire performance on Land of the Lost was, Run, Holly, run! There's a dinosaur! <laughs> yeah, and I remember, I got my, I was from, I was from the South, and I hadn't lost my accent. Mm-hmm. And so I get this job, you know, I, I was working at a, at, a, at a temp job in New York, I just, and there was an ad for this. I guess he had said, come do Shakespeare. And I had to do two pieces of Shakespeare. I didn't know Shakespeare. I'd, I mean, I knew Shakespeare, but I'd never right. done Shakespeare and knew how to do it. So I learned two sonnets. And I go and I audition. And sure enough, I get a call. You got the job. And I had no idea that this was like a major company in the United States. And, and all, the, all the other actors that were working the temp job with me were going, oh, do you understand that? So that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's Stratford. So we had a month rehearsal in New York at the Manhattan Club, and then we performed for eight months in Stratford, Connecticut. And I get on stage the first day, Ariel in the Tempest, and I'm going, "All hail, Grave Master Grave, Sir Hale! I condense that Becky call, be to fly to swim, to dive into the fire." 
And they go, Wesley, not on our stage. I go, what's wrong? They go, your accent. I go, what accent? And they, and this was being produced by all the, the, the heads of Juilliard School of Music in New York. So they had this great linguist named Liz Smith and, and who had worked on major films. And every day I had a, a voice class with, with Liz. And she was very intimidating. And I had to wor- instead of learn words instead of like running and jumping. I had running, g- jumping, g- <laughs> ghost, host, you know. Yeah. I, she, she, I, I had to find out what a consonant was. Because being from the South, all we know is vowels. <laughs> and I remember that, that and she was so intimidating. And the very last night at Stratford, after been together nine months, we had an actor's pub up in the balcony, and when all the audience left, everybody got a little tipsy, and, and Liz was a little drunk, and she came to me, she said, Wesley, darling, she says, the most regrettable experience I've had here this entire season at Stratford has been to make you lose that wonderful accent. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my vindication. <laughs> Jeez. But it was a wonderful start. Yeah, Jeez. I quickly moved to Los Angeles, and suddenly got a couple series. I... My first show, I, I auditioned for. God, I'm rambling on, aren't I? No, like no, no. Itchy, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Just realize. Well, well, days of our lives. You said you got that first. So, how did you get that part? Did you audition or? I auditioned. Just, I just went and auditioned, just and went. I got it. Was it difficult for you to? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I have so much respect for, for soap opera actors because of the fact that you have got so many lines to learn, and it's a constant thing. It's not like, you know, you do 12 episodes or 13 episodes or even 20 episodes a season. You're doing every single day, and you've got to know your lines and everything. It, it, did you find that difficult? Well, it was at first, the first couple of years. When I first started Days of Our Lives, it was a half-hour show, and they filmed it like, like it was a play. I mean, they literally would go and rehearse in the morning and then have a camera rehearsal about 1 o'clock after lunch, and then they would start at the beginning of the show, and they had a soundstage with, like, all the sets. Like, there would be Grandma's house, and there would be the bar, and all the different sets. And cameras, in the, in the, you'd be in the middle of the scene, like, saying, Darling, I love you, and cameras would be leaving you, or cameras would be on you, would be racing to the other set to catch the other actors so to, to begin the next scene. So there was no editing back then. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't stop. Yeah. You couldn't stop at all. But it was only a half an hour show. And then two years into it, it became an hour show. And I remember going in, and I mean, some days I'd have 20 pages of dialogue. Wow. When my story was hot or something was going on, right. you know. Yeah. And, but it became like, I, I got to tell you, it was probably the worst actor thing to say, but I wouldn't read the script until I got in it in the morning. Yo. <laughs> and it was like, it was like this game. It was like a mental game. Could I memorize 20 line, 20 pages of dialogue, um, you know, in, in the next hour and a half? And it, it got, it, it, I could. It, it really became like, it's like a muscle, like singing or, you know, or running or something. It's, it's really just a muscle, mm-hmm. a mind muscle. Wow, I can't remember what you know what I'm going to order at the burger place. <laughs> Somebody tells me get this, like, huh? What did you say you wanted? <laughs> but yeah, but you know the, the the good thing about a soap opera, obviously, is you're playing the same character, right? And you know the story, and it it, it just picks up where you left off the, the the day before. So it's you're not having to think about the motivation or who this character is or who I'm speaking to. You're you're just continuing a conversation you had a day before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Do, do, do you do you find? I, I love doing the soaps. The soaps were great, and it was like a, it was like a great family for nine years. Oh yeah, I can imagine. And I, you know, I, I loved it. And for all you Land of the Lost Days of Our Lives fan, uh, just a side note is that when I was I was on I was doing both shows and I was on the set of Land of the Lost and it was a break and I went outside and this girl comes up to me and says, Hey, look, I've got a an audition for Days of Our Lives, and it was Deidre Hall. Ah, I was going to ask. Became you. one of the big stars of Days of Our Lives, mm-hmm. and she was doing a show for the Cross also, um, a Dinah Girl. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so Deidre goes. Deidre said, "I know you're on Days of Our Lives, and I got this audition." And so I said, "Well, here, give me the sides. The sides are obviously the lines she had to learn to audition with. Yeah. A couple of pages." And we worked on it, and, and I gave her advice, you know, look in somebody's eyes. You know, it's all about listening, not about acting, all those kind of things. And she obviously got the part and became the queen of daytime. Right, yeah. You know, for many, many, many years. Yeah, jeez. That's amazing. Yeah. Were, were there any other people that uh, that came onto the show at the same time as you that have, you know, progressed into other shows? Kathy Lee Gifford. Kathy was, really? Oh, my God, famous... <laughs> Kathy Lee Gifford was playing a nurse. And like a couple, I mean, she, I, I don't know if she was under five or, which means under five lines and things, but didn't have many lines. Mm-hmm. And she'd been on a couple of days, I believe. And I, I, was on, I was on this day, I swear this is the truth. So we're on this set. Kathy finishes, she's the nurse. She finishes her scene kind of early in the, the shoot of the, the day. And she gets takes her makeup off, gets ready, and goes because she hadn't been doing soap opera. She didn't realize that you need to stick around and ask somebody if you can leave or not. Ah. <laughs> well, the directors decided, you know what? Let's do that again. Kathy Lee Gifford, Kathy Lee Gifford, <laughs> on stage, please. And she was gone. Oh, and, and they fired her the next day. Uh oh. <laughs> so that was her. I, I don't think I don't think they waited a day to fire her. Right. From what I understand, she's told this story before when when she was with Regis. Hmm. Yeah. About getting fired from days. Wow. Yeah. So that was the end of her soap opera career. Yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Jeez. Huh. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, now Land of the Lost. I noticed that it also that the the title credits oh, just says Wesley because I was looking to see. I, I've you know like I say I do my research and I and I see it. It says just Wesley. <laughs> so what what was the, that whole story about? It was about the worst decision managers could ever make. It was absolutely the stupidest decision. I I had been. I'd gotten a series before Days of Our Lives, mm-hmm. and it was, it was a series that was produced by the monkeys, uh, the guys that produced the monkeys. Mm-hmm. And this was a show called The Organic Vegetables. Now, remember, this is 1970, I guess. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it was, to be, it was sold, and it was to be shot in, um, I guess, the United States and Canada. And Kay Ballard was going to be the owner of, the organic, of this restaurant, and we were, all of us, the cast was the waiters. Mm-hmm. And it was like the monkeys. We all have a group, a singing group, and I was the lead singer, drummer. 
So I got I auditioned. I got that. We started filming that. We had a big writer strike in 1970, and the series got canned. But the people that were producing it, you know, liked me a lot. So suddenly I was recording with Bobby Sherman, and then Mike Herb, who became, I guess, Lieutenant Governor of California, mm-hmm. but the Mike Herb congregation. Right. And so yes. I started recording with Mike, and he put a, together a group of white boys. There were four white boys from Motown. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work very good, did it? Well, I guess you've never heard of us. <laughs> but so, so I got involved with that. And, and, and um, Michael Lloyd, who was one of the singers, is because he's gone on to be one of the, the best producers of all time. If you, you, you look on albums like with Michael Jackson, and, I mean, all the greatest, you'll see Michael Lloyd's name. And he also, I believe, he was also, a, I, think he, I think he wrote the theme to Land of the Lost. Really? Uh, which, I, which I sang on well, the show. And I was going to ask you about that. Now, you know, did you feel comfortable when you did that, or had you been singing before? Well, I had been. And so, I, I, and that's, so to make the long story short is the managers decided, oh, it's just going to be Wesley. You know, it's going to be like a little rock star, a little pop star. <laughs> <laughs> you see how well that worked out. Yeah. So, yeah. so obviously, after I think the second year, I changed it back to Wesley Ewer. Okay, all right. Yeah. But so, if you see the you know, my, in the second year, my father leaves the show. He he had a contract uh, fight with the Cross and regarding merchandising and stuff like that. And so, uh, they, Spencer, Spencer Milligan. Milligan so they yeah. sent him on his way and and hired Ron Harper. Ron Harper, yes. And his wife was on Days of Our Lives with me too. Huh. It's kind of funny how that works out. Yeah. So, 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 and then in the third year of Land of the Lost, if, if you watch it, I was suddenly singing all the time. I, I had this four-string gourd guitar, and I'll tell you, when I strummed that thing, you heard choirs. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> and I would go in and film. The Osmonds had a house over in off Santa Monica Boulevard by the, the temple, the uh, um, Mormon Temple in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And I used to go to their, their place, their apartment complex they owned and stuff. And they had a, a sound room and, you know, a, a studio. And I'd go in and sing these little songs. Oh. And they'd put them on, on Land of the Lost. Huh. So, so were you good friends with the, the Osmonds? Well, I knew them. I mean, I knew, you know, I wasn't really great friends with them. Yeah. But it was, it was amazing. During that time, the world has changed so much. But for a long time, and I was, you know, on the on the, the covers of Tiger Beat and, oh, yes, Beat and all yeah. that all the time. Well, all these guys I got to know because we'd be at all these events together, like, um, oh, my God, everybody, everybody, uh, from my, from um, Bobby Sherman Sean to... Sean Cassidy, I suppose. David and Sean, when Sean was... Sean was just a little brother with pimples, and he and Lace Garrett would come over to my house and swim. Really? And this is before they were anything. And all these, but it was kind of you know it's like a little a little club of people, and it was a wonderful time, mm-hmm. very innocent and fun, and yeah, well, it was it, good. There was Michael Gray was on for a long time. Michael had a series for all you old timers who remember, <laughs> who still have memory left. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm losing mine. <laughs> you mentioned about um, David Cassidy. And when I was doing my research, I noticed that, that you were supposed to take over for the Partridge family when he was going to be leaving. Is yeah. that true? Yes, it, well, it's true. Uh, David decided, you know, he became very popular, mm-hmm. yeah. obviously, as we all know. Yeah. And the, the, the last year of the Partridge family, he 
was bailing on his contract. He said, I'm not doing it anymore. And they were in a panic. So they had auditions at ABC. I had to come in and sing and do all of this stuff. And I remember Bobby Sherman helped me with, with the audition. And I got the job. And I, what it was going to be, it was they were going to introduce me in the show before David left. I was going to become his best friend on the show. And then I was had a dad who was single, and the dad was then going to get involved with Shirley. Ah, uh, okay. And that was the storyline. Well, I got the job, and David heard about it, and suddenly he decided, well, maybe I don't think I'm going to leave the show. <laughs> so he didn't leave the show. So, so that never happened. Oh, geez, huh? Yeah, that's that's too bad because that probably would have, you know, that would have been a big big jump right there. Well, hello. Listen, it's amazing. My my life is. I've had several of those things happen in my life. Um, I was going to play Gopher for Love Boat. Really? Um, yeah, and uh, with that was ABC, and I was on Days of Our Lives. This is after Land of the Lost. Yeah. And they did several pilots of Love Boat before, and Fred Grandy, of course, played Gopher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was cast as Gopher, and ABC approved it. The ship was leaving like on a Friday or something like that to film. And ABC and NBC had agreed to it, and then suddenly, at the very last night, like a Wednesday night or something, Thursday, I don't remember, uh, NBC pulled out and said, no, you can't do it. Oh, so I never did it. And then another one was, I'll just tell you about all my, is I got, I got hired to host The Tonight Show in Australia, become the, uh, out of Melbourne, mm-hmm. a few years back. Yeah. And I, I went to Australia, Days of Realize was hugely popular, and after I left the show, I went over there just as a tourist, and I ended up on all these talk shows, and, and suddenly I got all these offers to be a talk show host. And so I, they offered me The Tonight Show. Well, they, first, they first offered me a Family Feud to be the host of Family Feud. Yeah. And back in Australia at the time, it was, it was very fun. The families were, there was only four players, not five. And the largest prize, you'd like win a couch. <laughs> and, and the Australians, if the, this is back in the early 80s, and, and, and so, you know, not, like American game shows, everybody's jumping up and down, and yay, yay, you know, give me that couch, I want that couch. <laughs> and the host that they had on Family View at the time, I remember I watched it a bunch of times to see him, and he had this, it was <laughs> this shirt that was way open, all these gold chains. Oh, gee. <laughs> and they would go, uh, you know, somebody would go, is it, is it the color blue? And, oh yes, yes, it's a color blue. Let's say it's blue, and it was it was so sedate. Yeah. But anyway, I said I didn't want to do that one. So then they said, well, "How about the Tonight Show?" And I said, "Absolutely." So I was going to host. I was moving to Melbourne, signed a contract. I think Channel Nine Australia, and then the Australian government got involved, and they said, "No, <laughs> no Americans going to come and host our the Tonight Show." Really? And they wow. and I had met with them. I met with the the. The consul or whatever it was, yeah. in Australia, and um, and they said no way. Huh? They they just didn't like the idea of an American being. Well, it's been very hard for America for performers for a long time. Like if you're American, you couldn't go to England and work on 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 their their version of Broadway, the West End, and British people couldn't come over here. Oh, I didn't know that. There was it was it's very difficult performers. It's still that way today. Like if you do a show. And you have, you're going to say, say we're going to Canada, and you bring in an American actor to star in it. Well, you have to guarantee there's a certain number of Canadian actors. Hmm. So, but it used to be even tighter, and wow. you, it was almost impossible to get a job. Huh. Jeez, that's interesting. Because 
Yeah, because they could say, listen, we've got actors here. You know, we don't want to give work to another person from another country. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but hmm. it didn't make sense for me at the time. I'll right. tell you, I was really disappointed. Yeah, I can imagine. Jeez. Huh. So the love boat, and boy, oh boy, that's the... <laughs> so basically, I have a career of almost. <laughs> boy, let me tell you, you don't know who I almost was. Gosh darn it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be your, your number 150th interview. No, I would have been at least 30 or 40. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Um, but as far as Land of the Lost, um, what is there any memorable moments that you can share with us? Uh, you know, funny things that happened on the show or anything? Well, it was first of all, it was, it was it was a dream. I mean, I'm running from dinosaurs. I'm in a cave. They had two sound stages. One had the lagoon in the cave and a jungle, and then one had the largest, it was called chroma key, blue screen, green screen. It was a full soundstage with the whole back wall of the soundstage was green so they could superimpose the dinosaurs. It was a playland, I mean, oh, it was yeah. wonderful. <laughs> I, I remember once I had a, had a scene um, and I was um, in the lagoon, I was swimming in the lagoon, and we had John Roger was the guy, amazing prop master who built all those amazing props for Land of the Lost. And the, you know, a credit doesn't go a lot sometimes to the crafts people who really, you know, actors have the easiest thing. Being a producer, I now know that for sure. But the actors have actually the easiest job. They walk in, they say a few lines, get a lot of money. Everything's done. All the sets, the costumes, the lights, the, all the negotiations, the years of fighting to get a show made, right. and they get all the rewards and they get all the accolades. So John John Roger built all these wonderful, wonderful props for Land of the Lost. And I remember we, it was we finished the shoot. It was I think it was the last show of the season, and I pushed him in the lagoon, and somebody yelled, "My God, he has a pacemaker!" <laughs> Now, of course, a pacemaker's inside, but I, I screamed and panicked and was jumped in the in the lagoon and was trying to pull him out, and so that was that was one day. Hmm. But Kathy Coleman, who played my sister, yeah. and I had a ball together. She was eleven years old, yeah. And Philip Haley, who played Chaka, hmm. Philip was eleven at the time when we started, and he, he's he he was the youngest black belt in karate in the United States at the time. Wow, he'd actually been on the Tonight Show. Huh. And he, he I, I was with him recently. He just got married to a beautiful girl named Marla. And he is absolutely hysterically funny. And um, in fact, I just spoke to, I hadn't spoken to Spencer Milligan since the day he left the show after the second season. Yeah. And the other night, Kathy calls me and she says, call Spencer. I got his number. I call Spencer, and then Kathy immediately calls me on my other phone, and I'm holding, I'm holding, I've got Spencer on one phone, Kathy on the other phone, holding him next to my mouth so they can both hear, like a three-way call. Yeah. And you would have thought that we had not missed a day. It was like an old family reunion, and we were laughing, and he was playing, he was playing daddy to her, and we were just having the best time. Hmm. Spencer lives, um, taught acting for a while in, uh, Texas, and it has, a, I guess, a beautiful ranch, I think, up in Michigan somewhere. Mm -hmm. Also has a theater company and very successful. Um, and it was just, it was a delight talking to Spencer. He's a great guy. So it was a close cast then when you were all together back then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. I, I remember the first year, because um, I was older than Kathy, obviously, I've been around a long time. <laughs> and when they filmed the opening of The Land of the Lost, if you watch it, 
I rent you rent. We we're both running up from the cave from the dinosaurs. Grumpy is about to, and and I turned my head and looked back, and she saw that, and she thought, oh, she's eleven years old. She goes, you got a better close up than me. <laughs> so when we had to film the opening again for the third season because Ron Harper's there as Uncle Jack. Yeah. If you watch it, she made sure she turned around. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, but we had some one, you know, we uh, we had some great uh, uh, Walker Edmondson who passed away fairly recently. He uh, he played Enoch, which was the alien Sleestack from mm-hmm. the past. Yeah, and he was an amazing guy, and um, uh, there were some just wonderful. There were uh, um, the Tan Sa who were played by. Uh, Joe Jim Albert played Todd. Saw was played by uh, one of the girls that was uh, one of the Musketeers. Oh, really? Um, huh. So it was funny. The Musketeers were all over by life. Uh, if, you, if you guys remember the old Musketeer show, uh, when I was on Days of Our Lives, my, one of my makeup artists was was was, was, was a Musketeer. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. we've had a couple on the show actually. We, Lonnie Burr was on the show and uh, Don Grady. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So they get around. <laughs> they're all over the place. They're hiding, but they're they're out there. <laughs> Did they talk about the lawsuit with the mouse ears? No, no, no one mentioned that. Oh my goodness, that was. And it, it, somebody told me it's a, it's a true story that because I just was at Disneyland the other day, and I was looking at all the mouse ears. Obviously, now they have all these fancy, you know, oh, yes. fancy dancy mouse ears. But from my understanding, and if you ever talk to them again, ask them, that when the Mickey Mouse Club was on, black and white, mm-hmm. Disneyland was, you know, new, nothing was really going on, that there was something problem with the show, and Walt asked the cast, the cast had to come back and do something. And he promised them 5% of the sale of the Mouse Ears. Because wow. it wasn't, you know, it was just at the park and didn't seem like a lot of money. Well, today it's like a billion-dollar business for the Mouse Ears. Yeah. And a few years ago, they brought. They, I think they had. They had a suit or something where they they had to resolve this issue. They owed them like tons of money. Wow, I'm sure they did. I mean, those sell like crazy. Yeah, hello. I, I just wanted to mention game shows seem to have come up a lot in your life. Like you were on uh, the Match Game, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, Password. Yep. Yeah. I was a regular on Password for a while. I would do like one week a month. That that that, that was always such a fun show to watch. Oh, gosh. And it was a tough show to do. And the pressure, I remember the first day that, you know, I got to, I, they said, you're going to do the, you're going to do Password. And I mean, it was one of my favorite shows. And this was with Alan Ludden before Alan passed away. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I continued to do the Password with the different hosts after that. So the first day, I'm, I, I pull into NBC and they've given me Johnny Carson's drivings. My name is on his spot. And I'm going, oh my God, I'm, I'm parking in Johnny Carson's spot. <laughs> and right next to me was a sign that said Elizabeth Montgomery. Wow. And I'm going, oh no, because Elizabeth Montgomery from Bewitched mm-hmm. was the best password player. I was, I'm a huge game show fan. And I would watch her, and she was killer. And I'm thinking, how dare them pit me up against the best password player? <laughs> So I, I went on and went in and we shot the we shot the five episodes in one day. We do a whole week in one day and just change clothes every time. You know, we do a half hour show, change clothes, do a half hour show. And it was the most intimidating day. And over the the next few years, I played with her many times. Mm-hmm. But my best time, I arrived at NBC. I'm checking in in the morning to shoot the very first show, and they come into my dressing room and said, Wesley, would you mind teaching Lucille Ball how to play Password? 
And they go, are you crazy? <laughs> are you nuts? Yeah, I'll teach her. She said, well, we want her to do password. She's having a little trouble. And uh, Could she come and stay with you, sit in your dressing room all day with you? I go, are you crazy? Are you nuts? So they left. I pick up the phone. I call my mother. I said, mother, you want to spend the day with Lucille Ball? And she said, yeah. I said, get over here now. Wow. So my mother came running over, who was living in Burbank at the time, so it was around the corner. And Lucy came in, and I would go and film. We'd shoot a half-hour show. Then I'd come back to change clothes to get ready, and they'd reset the, 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 all the puzzles and everything for the, for the next. And then Lucy and I would talk, and we'd talk about clues and how well it went, and I'd play some of the games with her. And she would ask lots of questions, and, and she, she spent the entire day, lunch, everything. And it was the most remarkable day. I'm sure, jeez. Um, yeah, she never, she never was a great password player. <laughs> she was a great backgammon player. She was known for playing backgammon. Hmm. But um, it, password, it, it wasn't her thing, but God knows they kept her on because it was Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball, yeah. I mean, jeez. i got to tell you, it was a great honor. It was just like, I mean, come on. Yeah. I had known her daughter, little Lucy, Lucy Arnaz. Um, Lucy's, Lucy Arnaz has been a guest. We've had her on the show. Oh, she's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Little, little Lucy. Little Lucy, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I understand that you and Holly, uh, well, Holly, Kathy, <laughs> were going to have uh, a cameo in the, in the film, but uh, they cut it? Oh, it was, it was a horrible day. <laughs> it was, oh, my. First of all, I mean, to turn it into, I mean, it, it, the, the Crofts admit that they made a huge mistake with the script. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we know, I think it won the the, the year it came out which a couple of years ago. I think yeah. it won the uh, Rotten Tomatoes Award or the Razzie Award. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so they decided to throw us in, Kathy and I. But they didn't bother to write a scene for us. They just put us into a part that was written. It was the part of man and the part of woman. <laughs> I mean, it was so. It, it wasn't even clever. It wasn't. For me, the best sequel is the Brady Bunch. Yes, that, they did a good job with that. The best, even the second one, the best. Yep. But this one, what they did was try to make it, try to make a, 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 a science fiction drama, family drama, into the Three Stooges comedy. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and they literally said that. I mean, they were, they said, "Oh my God, the solution to the Land of the Lost is like, we'll make it like the Three Stooges," and and, and most of the fans, that's not what, what they were looking for, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, it didn't work. It didn't work very well. Yeah. But Kathy and I were hired. There was a scene. A lot was cut out of this movie, but Will Ferrell, his career, if you've seen the show, he's hes on the downswing. He was a famous uh, uh, anthropologist, uh, quantum physics anthropologist, and he was now parking cars at the La Brea Tar Pits. That's all cut, but at the very end of the movie, uh, this couple comes up and says, can, you know, can we have our, uh, uh, can, we, can we get our ticket validated? And he says, he, in a puffing up, says, I don't need any validation. I found the land of the lost. Kind of stuff. This is the very end of the movie. Yeah. Well, it was a horrible night. It was terrible. It was horrible. Kathy was ill. Mm-hmm. Um, it went on forever and ever. Will Ferrell couldn't have been better. Anna Friel was great. But at the end of the day, it was disastrous. So it wasn't just our scene was cut. The entire ending was cut. And they added, rightfully so, and, and they added a scene with, with Matt Lauer, mm-hmm. uh, which actually I think is one of the funniest parts of the movie. Yeah. It's the very, very ending of the movie. Mm-hmm. But originally, it was going to take place inside the La Brea Tar Pits, which they had spent a fortune, one of the first film companies to ever film in the La Brea Tar Pits. And it ended like there was a flea stack egg that they brought back, and it's sitting out in display, and it starts to crack open, and a little boy goes, Mommy! And that was the end of the movie. Yeah. 
and now it's uh, it's Will Ferrell and has a fight with Matt Lauer, and then the sleep deck egg is begins to hatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but what was funny? I was so I was at Universal Tours the other day. You know, I'm sitting there with my stepdaughter and her friends for spring break, and we're driving through. And they, they, they take you on the, the, the studio tour because the girls wanted to go see it. And they have all the famous cars all lined up that, you know, on the tours from, uh, like, the, like, I don't know, the, the Knight Rider car and, yep. and the Jurassic Park car. And then suddenly there was the Land of the Lost car <laughs> from Will Ferrell. So I thought, oh, okay, well, <laughs> I, guess I, I guess I'm sorted on the lot. <laughs> And Wesley, before we finish up, um, what do we have going on right now to, to look forward to seeing you in or doing? Uh, well, I'm producing Stephen Schwartz's new musical. Now, Stephen is the guy that wrote, uh, has Wicked. He wrote mm, Pippin yes. and Godspell. Wow. And I've been working on this musical for 10 years with Stephen, and it's phenomenal. We're going to open uh, September the 23rd at the Northlight Theater in Chicago, so please come see us. It's an amazing show. It's kind of, if you're a Stephen Schwartz fan, and I know a lot of you guys out there are. Mm. It's kind of his Mamma Mia. He's taken his best songs, like Corner of the Sky, Popular from Wicked, different songs from all of, all of his shows, with a whole new book, a really amazing book. And he's rewritten all the songs. For instance, Popular is now sung by a guy, not not the witch. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's and it, it, it's just an amazing new musical. We've been working almost 10 years to get this up. He's been rewriting and writing and rewriting, along with David Stern, who's, who wrote the book. Audiences are cheering and screaming and going crazy. Oh, sure. Um, and it's it's really it's a, it's a story. It's 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 six characters. A story of a couple in their fifties. She's leaving him that night. She's up in the attic. She's packed her suitcases two weeks before. He's gone to work. She's up in the attic. She's she begins to sing. He comes home unexpectedly. She panics to hide the suitcase. She knocks over a box of photographs, and the photographs come to life. Wow. And it's and they visit in the. There's three guys. They, they play the same guy from 13 to 50, and the, there's three girls 13 to 50. And they sing and yell at each other and argue about what happened in the past. And it's, they all play the same character from different ages. It's a remarkable musical. Hmm. So if it's in your area, it's called Snapshots. Uh, please come, come see it. Yeah, sounds great. Jeez. Yeah. And one other thing, uh, if people want to get information about you, um, where can they go for, do you have a website, uh, Facebook, any of those More things? than you ever want to know about me. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you go to wesleyure.com, and that's Wesley, W-E-S-L-E-Y-E-U-R-E, like Eureka without the K. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, you'll, you'll, see a lot, you'll see a lot more than you ever want to know. But what's fun is I've also got some, some uh, video clips of, from Password, like with myself and Betty White, oh, with wow. Elizabeth Montgomery, um, Different people on there and, and links so you can watch some of the YouTube stuff, which is a lot of fun. And also the the show that I used to the host for for Nickelodeon, a game show called Finders Keepers. Finders Keepers, there's yes. Some, there's some clips from from Finders Keepers. Great. And even an old little piece of footage from Days of Our Lives mm. with, with all the original cast, all of us singing uh, the song Always, and oh. McDonald Carey's in it too. Jeez. Well, Wesley, there's there's so many different things we could continue on, but uh, I I want to finish up with with two questions. Uh, one is what is your favorite TV show of all time, or or a couple of shows that you've enjoyed over the years, new or old, doesn't make any difference. Give me Judge Judy. Judge Judy, really? <laughs> I am such a judge. I am I am I am a judge aholic. 
I, I, I know that sounds silly, but I love, I mean, I, I love the judge shows, and I, 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 I got, it's like, it's like my secret, well, it's not a secret anymore, but it's, it's my dirty little secret passion. Hmm. <laughs> I just, I, I like, I like it. I, you know, I, I produce reality TV. I used to produce, um, like, Totally Hidden Video, and, and, right. and we did, uh, did spy tv for nbc which aired after friends and yeah all that kind of stuff so it's it's almost like the the last vestige of spontaneity you actually see real things starting to happen on television mm-hmm. yeah but I, I i love i love me some judge yeah huh. what about movies what are your favorite movies boy when i was a kid the movie that changed my life was Swiss Family Robinson. Ah, yes, yes, classic Disney. You know, I, I just, yeah, that, that, I think that's that, I, that's I wanted, I wanted to be those kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like, I, and and that that idyllic, wonderful family. So, I think that's, and I think that's one of the reasons that the Land of the Lost survived so well, is because. Not only were the sci-fi writers good, it was the Star Trek people. Even David Gerald was one of the writers who wrote Trouble with Triples. Trouble with all Triples, the, yes. All the, yeah. And he was the head writer the first year. But there was, it was about a family. It was about a family without their mother. And it was a really interesting and solid family relationship. And I remember when the movie was coming out with Will Ferrell a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And um, they did a marathon, several marathons of Atlanta Lost and played them like 40 hours. Yeah. And I got lots of hits, and people were just talking about their kids were loving it, and it was how it just it held up. The stories held up. I mean, it's goofy, and the the animation is goofy. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, because the, it's nineteen seventies, and, and yeah. But the stories, not all of them, because some of them are terrible, like Stone Soup. But some of them, <laughs> some of them are so good, the sci-fi and the family element, and I think so. So family family shows, and I think that is one of the reasons I do work for kids and write for kids and stuff like that and I have kids books and things like that and I think that, that from that Swiss family moment when I saw that kind of relationship and that's something that has always sort of permeated what I love to do yeah yeah well Wesley I want to thank you so much this has been a, this has been a blast I've had a good time and I, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us well, my pleasure, Brian. Thank you, and congratulations on a, on a wonderful series of shows. You really, I mean, it's it's nice to, to 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 immortalize. There's a lot of people I know that you've interviewed, and a lot of people that haven't had their voice heard in many many years. And what a, what a treat to be able to listen to them. So thank you very much for what you do. Well, I appreciate that. Hey, I want to thank Wesley Yor for taking the time to talk to us great guests and it's had some such great stories to share with us and you know can you imagine being 17 years old and driving two big stars nowadays i mean it's it's just it just blows my mind that that could even happen but uh, anyways uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun talking with him and i want to thank him so much for doing that and uh, also want to uh, thank all of you who wrote emails uh, this past week Got a lot of emails this week and uh, Love hearing from you and hearing you share your stories with me, too. Uh, some people tell me about the times when they've been able to talk to uh, celebrities and things like that. So we enjoy hearing it, and thank you very much for doing that. I love hearing it. I try to answer as many as I can, and um, I uh, do read them all, that's for sure. And uh, we do enjoy hearing from you. So if you'd like to send us an email, send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And uh, we'll see what we can do. And uh, let's see. That's about it. That's a wrap for this week's show. Till next week when we once again take you on screen and beyond. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care.